Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Hey, it's Jan from Toyota, reminding you that Toyotathon is on and here to help make your holidays extra magical. How? Maybe it's driving in a Tacoma in search of the perfect hill to sled down. Popping from store to store in a Prius to find the perfect gift. You did it. How'd you know? Or it could be something much more simple, like surprising loved ones in a RAV4 hybrid. You made it, Bobby! <laughs> You're all grown up! And seeing their faces light up when you pull up to their home. Stop by Toyotathon and make this holiday one to remember. It's the perfect opportunity to gather with your friends and family, both near and far. Dealer inventory may vary. Current offers on these vehicles end November 30th. Offers are subject to change throughout Toyotathon, which ends on January 3rd. See your participating Toyota dealer for details. Toyota, let's go places.
What is up, everybody? Uh, this is the Belly Up Fantasy Live football show. Of course, I'm your host, Adam LaRue, at LaRue Adam on Twitter. I'm joined, of course, by Chris Dauhauer, uh, my co-host. Uh, our friend Justin Herrera will not be able to make it today. He was in a uh, car accident yesterday. Um, so, you know, I hope he's doing uh, well, feeling better, whatnot. Um, seems to be um, you know, doing okay at least, but, uh, you know, was not able to make the show understandable. Uh, we move on, uh, Chris, uh, how was the, the football over the weekend? How, how'd you like it? I, I think it was better than urban Myers homecoming. It sounds like, um, yeah, I did pretty good this weekend. Um, had some bounce back both my leaks. I was definitely excited. Nice. Um, nice to not lose again. Like I did last, last couple weeks actually. So, Kind of got back on track, and I think we're going to break down some of the reasons why with some of these games we're going to cover today. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, by yourself. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, also a bounce back week week in most of my leagues. Um, I got a little cute, and um, I, I think I would have lost either way, but I, I benched Dalvin Cook because I wasn't sure if I was comfortable. Uh, with it yet, which he ended up still getting out carried by Alexander Madison. So I don't know if I was necessarily wrong to do that, uh, but I did it for Naeem Hines, who did, had one point. So tough, tough to lose off that, but it is what it is. Otherwise, bounced back. Um, had my second uh, profitable week uh, gambling wise of the, of the year. So we're now two and two <laughs> uh, as far as weeks for that goes. Uh, so that. That was good. Overall positive. A lot of good football. Some ugly football, but, uh, you know, you'll have those, of course. All right, so we can get into um, some of the rapid recap of the weekend. Um, before we do that, uh, it's time for a word from our sponsor, Manscaped. Your client's going away for 10 years. Unless. Unless. We swap first round picks. Fantasy football draft season is upon us. It's time for you to put the PP back in the PPR league with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming just launched the new Performance Package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers' front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com. For 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. This will help you tame that Troy Palomalu in your pants. And good news for our international listeners. Their life-changing products are now available in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. All with the 20% off and free international shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. All right. So we're going to get straight into um, uh, a game that involves someone you mentioned, uh, the the Bengals and Jaguars, which was a tale of two halves. Uh, the Jaguars were definitely, um, I don't want to firmly say dominant, but I think it's as dominant as we're going to see this Jaguars team this season, especially um, given the state of the locker room uh, in Jacksonville, uh, yikes. Um, James Robinson was heavily involved, uh, which is a good sign for people who who roster him. You know, he got 18 carries, um, you know, another two targets. Uh, and we'll, I'll go ahead and pull the stats up for you. 
Um, it doesn't hurt that Carlos Hyde is inactive. Yes, that doesn't. And uh, yeah, I moved him into the starting uh, lineup as soon as I heard that news. And I bet his rushing over as soon as I heard that news, which on both fronts worked out. Um, you know, definitely that that quick news um, was big. Uh, uh, that being said, second half, the Bengals really tore it up. And speaking of running back injuries with Carlos Hyde, who had just kind of a surprise injury late there. Joe Mixon, uh, towards the very, very end of the game, uh, seemed to pull up with an injury. Um, you, you may have more up-to-date information than I do, but last I checked, they were calling him day-to-day. Uh, it went week-to-week, then day-to-day. Uh, Zach Taylor said a little bit more optimistic, um, if I remember correctly. Uh, but, yeah, uh, interesting situation for a back who's been heavily involved so far. Yeah, that they were talking about basically Adam Schefter reported it'd be week to week. Taylor came, Zach Taylor came out yesterday and said it was more like day to day. So the, since you know Spangles seem more optimistic than mainly Adam Schefter does, but I would be surprised if Mixon would have missed some time. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dan Arnold, uh, interestingly, had a pretty solid game for his his second or uh, first game in Jacksonville. Uh, and really, that trade was on what Monday. Um, so three days in and got, got two receptions, was involved. Uh, I, I think that he – I think that at the very least this is the best situation he has been in. Now, whether or not he's this, you know, great receiving tight end, uh, pr- probably not. Um, but he's good enough that if, I think if he gets the volume that, say, like I said last week, if he gets the volume that James O'Shaughnessy was getting uh, prior, then he could be pretty fantasy relevant, like a couple tight ends that are really just there – less because of, uh, you know, them being great tight ends, but because they get volume that other tight ends just don't get. Uh, I don't have too much more to say about this game. Of course, if Mixon is out, then Perrine uh, probably becomes the guy you're interested in. Although Chris Evans, of course, um, in PPR leagues, may be that guy instead. Uh, I think it just standard will definitely be Perrine. Uh, in PPR, things get a little dice here. Um what do you think about James Robinson going forward? Do you think that uh, you know his performance with Carlos Hyde out is enough for him not to matter that much when Carlos Hyde gets back, or do you think it's going to go back to the same old um, when um, you know when Hyde returns? Logically, you would think that it would show that you should be more touches and you should be definitely more involved because he was he was very productive. Mm-hmm. And the Jags offense in general probably the best it's looked almost all season long. Right. Having said that, we are dealing with a special guy in Urban Meyer that seems to not want to do things that make sense. So I'm not really sure if that's going to be the future. <laughs> I think uh, I think James Robinson owners want to hold on for at least another week or two to kind of gauge this. If you see kind of a, a similar situation emerge that was in the beginning of the season, the cause high returns healthy and he's starting to split carries again, maybe move on James Robinson sooner than later then. Yeah, absolutely. Although, <laughs> based on current reports, it doesn't – look um doesn't look like urban's got too long in in jacksonville uh i would not be that that shocked um if he did not make it through this season um yeah i'm gonna go ahead and move on to the next next game a little bit more interesting as far as fantasy is concerned and it is washington and atlanta um and why i say that's interesting and i'm gonna go Ed and um, take the overlay out here so you can get the kind of the stats on top. Um, 
Well, I say that's interesting is because I think I, at least, and, uh, you know, I had assumed that this would be the case, but I, I needed some verification because uh, it hadn't happened yet. You know, uh, I had assumed that what was going to happen is that the Atlanta offense is going to be much different than they were going against defenses that were struggling. Um, you know, Matt Ryan, while he is struggling for sure, he's not quite where Big Ben is, right? I, I think that when the offensive line holds up, and this is actually probably true for Big Ben as well, it's just less likely to actually ever happen. Uh, when the offensive line holds up, Matt Ryan can be productive, not to any incredible length, but enough to get his guys at least somewhat involved, more involved than they had, had been prior. Now, this was still the Cordero Patterson show. Um, as far as usage goes, however, I mean, uh, Mike Davis, uh, I think, had like one more touch or they were tied or, you know, relatively close. Um, and then we finally started to see Wayne Galman um, take offensive snaps. So that'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. I think he got six carries as well. Um, on yeah, As far as that goes, um, the Atlanta offense, I think, really you can only play those pieces outside of maybe Ridley if uh, Ridley and Patterson. I think you can only play any other pieces if uh, they're up against a bad defense, specifically a defense that's not getting pressure. Um, on the Washington side of things, um, yeah, they were able to to get the win off that incredible McKissick play. Um, but overall, I think the biggest key piece of information here um, was the the injury to their tight end. Um, Ricky Seals-Jones um, stepped in uh, due to the injury. We'll definitely have to to um you know check in on that throughout the week um there was an effort to get curtis samuel involved um in his first week back uh, it didn't do that much but at least if you are you know a deeper rostered league and you have him um there's reason to be confident that they will make an attempt to use him um finally back to the the falcon side uh i, I just want to actually get this mention in because i, I kind of started delve into it these running backs are splitting a lot of carries and, and a lot of touches at the rate that Cordero Patterson's playing at is just to me, I don't, I don't see it being sustainable outside of PPR, um, you know, with him getting all the touchdowns and long plays and whatnot. I, I mean, just all of them are getting around 13 touches. And if Wayne Gallman really starts to speed up, uh, you know, as he, he gets more into the off acclimated in the offense, that could very quickly turn into a, a backfield to split three ways. It, it, I wouldn't be that opposed to selling uh, some of the backs on this offense uh, pretty soon. Yeah, I definitely tend to agree, especially if it's become a three-man committee. Maybe we'll be willing to part of that. Uh, I think Cordell Patterson will continue to be involved to a decent amount, though, especially in people yeah. are, like you were saying. And he seems to be the, if not the only, explosive player on the Atlanta offense right now. Yeah. Um, moving on to the next game. Let's see if my camera turns back on. Um, it's loading again. All right. Yeah. Moving on to the next game. It is Buffalo and Houston. Um, you know, they are – Buffalo is just continuing to dominate – um, as far as the fantasy side of things, I'm not sold on the Buffalo rushing attack at all. Uh, you know.
Not sure if we just lost Adam there. So there he is. Come on back for us now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's giving me troubles. But, yeah, um, I'm not sold on this Buffalo rushing attack right now um, just because of their the game scripts they've been in as of late. Um, I think that's been kind of inflated. If I was to want one of the guys, it would be Singletary, but I really I'm not a huge fan overall. Um, uh, Dawson Knox, however, could be legit. He kind of had a sneaky hot streak uh, towards the end of last season. Um, you know, after he came back from his injury and has definitely been hot to start this season. Um, so I'm interested in him, especially next week, which I'll, I will get to later uh, in the show. Um, as far as Houston goes, outside of Brandon Cooks, fade literally everything about this team until Tyrod Taylor's back. Uh, Brandon Cooks is the only playable piece. Fade them in regards to, you know, betting, the, literally everything. Play, stream the defenses that are playing Houston, stream kickers playing Houston, Everything. Play running backs that play Houston, even if they're not that, just everything. Yep, <laughs> fade, that sounds about right. Yeah, fade the Texans as hard as you possibly can until Tyrod Taylor returns. Um, okay, so moving on to the... Um, moving on to the Detroit um, and Chicago game. Uh see here uh there was a there was uh a change at offensive coordinator or at least a change in play caller i mean sorry um and And look what happens yes yes (laughs) there was a massive change in outcomes um this is something that i think we we suspected would be the case as soon as um bill laser became the play caller again um so you know, no surprise there, but glad to see that it did happen. Um, of course, when it does finally happen, uh, Montgomery goes out with an injury uh, at the end of the game. Um, I, I hope that he's okay. I don't I, – I at least haven't seen any conclusive uh, uh, news one way or the other. Uh, five to six weeks are expecting. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, so in that case, Damon Williams is definitely going to be a high-priority um, waiver wire target. Uh, I'm also interested in buying some of these receivers if, um, you know, if, if we can suspect that Laser is the guy moving forward. And I think it would be not that it's the first time that I, I would think that something that Najee has done would be a fireable offense, but it would absolutely be a fireable offense if he took play calling back from Laser again. So I, I feel confident going out and buying an A-Rob or buying a Mooney, um, even buying a, a Cole Komet who, you know, ran a lot of routes, just wasn't, you know, heavily involved as far as targets go uh, this week. Um, so I, I am much more interested in that offense now, um, now that uh, Laser is no longer the play caller. However, uh, Najee still could be terrifying to fantasy owners, given that, um, according to him, Andy Dalton is still the starter on this team. I'll believe it when I see it, but... Um, Really, just the more that Najee talks, the, the more that it's hard to be that positive about the Bears. But, uh, I mean, they, they've got talent. It's just whether or not um, 
you know, Najee allows them to use it. Of course, that offensive line does suck, and this was against the Lions. Um, as far as the Lions side of things, uh, this is where I, I would start to get off of Jamal Williams. I think he's becoming more and more touchdown dependent um, as I, I think DeAndre Swift will start to get more involved, definitely as a receiver. Um, and just um, if he starts to get cut into those carries too much, which hasn't happened yet. Um, but, you know, there was that quote from Campbell the other week. Um, obviously, this is a game where they're mostly down anyways, so it's hard to take too much out of it. Um, but Jamal Williams passing floor has seemingly gone out the window. Um, and without that, he just, again, becomes very touchdown dependent. Moving on to a much more interesting game. Um, you know, outside of the laser thing, of course, which is interesting, but not a whole lot else. Um, again, so Carolina versus the Cowboys, uh, Good game all around. Uh, I was impressed by Darnold, um, although we did throw the two picks. He was a very efficient runner. There was a very genuine attempt to get Robbie Anderson back involved. It didn't go as well as it could have, but there was an attempt. Um, he did get, he got 11 targets and a carry, if I remember correctly. Um, Zeke went absolutely bananas. Um, I, I just there was a lot of a lot of people concerned about him going into the season. He's just gotten consistent RB1 usage, even with Tony Pollard. Uh, will that continue in every game? You know, it's hard to tell, but I'm very confident about Zeke currently. Um, that being said, on the flip side of that, I'm a little worried about the Dallas passing volume for getting some of these guys involved, just, you know, because when you're giving out 30 carries to to Zeke and to Pollard, um, you know, it's hard to pass that much. Now, granted, Dallas is mostly in control of this game despite uh, being high scoring on both sides. So I'm not too, too concerned about it. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. But certainly it'll be difficult for all three receivers upon coming back healthily, healthy, um, being super uh, productive each. Um, finally, uh, Schultz does seem to have the edge on Jarwin. I thought it was just kind of a game plan thing as far as last week is controlled with two weeks in a row. Um, and it was pretty significant in really every category, uh, the gap, whether it's, um, you know, routes ran or targets or snaps, uh, you know, Schultz was the guy last week. So I don't know if I'm confidently just starting him uh, every game as of right now, but I am at the very least um, 
rostering him at this point and, you know, holding on, waiting to see what happens. Just real quick on this game, I think one of the things that was interesting was to see Rodney Smith's involvement at the running back, and particularly in the past situations. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people picked up Tubba Hubbard, hoping they get them, you know, Mike Davis treatment that they had last year. And I don't necessarily think that's going to be a reality for people that, you know, ran out to replace Christian McCaffrey with Tubba Hubbard yet. Yeah, I, I, I would have to agree. I, I don't think that, um, yeah, it, it's not necessarily the, the McCaffrey role that everyone wants. Every, <laughs> a lot of people who have been, quote unquote, getting the McCaffrey role have uh, ended up disappointing people with uh, Gibson and then now uh, Hubbard. Uh, so moving on to Indi- Indiana, Indianapolis Colts uh, versus Miami. The first quarter of this game was some of the ugliest football, and really the first half, but especially the first quarter was some of the ugliest football I think I've ever watched. Um, and that's both sides of the ball. Uh, the Dolphins particular, in particular on that first drive was just so, so difficult to watch. Uh, that being said, eventually the Colts' defense really did have a – a great game. Uh, the the Dolphins didn't score a touchdown until the fourth quarter. It was twenty to three, I believe, to start the fourth quarter, um, and then at one point it was twenty seven uh, ten. Um, they kind of picked it up a little bit in garbage time, but overall, uh, the Colts' defense is in a much better spot than I think it was early in the season. Um, as I kind of mentioned in the intro to the show, there was very little Hines usage. That's always concerning, considering he's a guy that a lot of people use to flex, at least in PPR. Uh, that being said, Pittman is remaining consistent. Um, I think he had a, a dud week to start the season, but since then has at least been getting consistent targets and been all right. Nothing like crazy. He's not off the charts, but he's been consistent. Um, Gesicki, uh, as I predicted on the show last week, was second in targets for uh, the Miami Dolphins. Uh, you know, again, Brissett loves his tight ends. Um, I, I'm running with Gasicki, like I said, as long as uh, Brissett is the quarterback. Uh, the Miami Dolphins' usage of the running back position was bizarre, uh, with Brown just kind of becoming the guy for some reason. Uh, I don't really know, you know, why uh, the other guys who at least had solid years last year were getting what was it two and three carries, uh, something along those lines. So. Overall, it was just a, a lot of head-scratching decisions by Miami. Um, this team was kind of on the cusp of being something really cool last year and has seemed to take a step back. Yeah, I think this this is definitely uh, concerning with Jacoby Brissett playing the quarterback position for them and off the line playing as poorly as it is. Yeah. Uh, the running backs both in this situation, both for both teams were kind of disappointing, I think, in a lot of ways. John Taylor had a nice bounce back, finally scored a touchdown. People yeah. were probably very excited about that. We all thought Marlon Mack, Mack was just to go away. Here's a guy comes in and vultures 10, 10, 10 touches and also gets involved in the passing game. So that's why you're Naheem Hines. Also, I have a Naheem Hines on my team. I was big on him, and now you come to the question, as long as Marlon Mack's on that team, will he actually get the involvement you expect? Yeah, although I do wonder if um... – you know, Marlon Mack was getting that usage because he's on the trade block. Uh, try to show him off if that's the case. It didn't go as well as they probably would have hoped. But um, I, I definitely think that it should be in question as to whether or not that was the reason. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Taylor did have a, a fantastic bounce back game. Second straight week with 16 carries where he did a lot more with it this week. 
a solid game by Wentz. He was a little bit more mobile coming off those sprains. He's now only one sprain, so that's pretty big. Um, that being said, it's still nothing um, out of this world, and I don't think that's going to happen until the offensive line gets fixed. That being said, what I will say is that while the tackle position is effed, uh, that's just not a, a, in a good spot right now. Uh, Fisher's uh, struggled, and uh, whoever plays right tackle, um, you know, whether it's uh, Davenport or you know someone else, it's just not good. Uh, Chris Reed did play admirably, nothing like spectacular, um, but a, certainly a much better depth piece than anything else from the the Colts' depth on the offensive line has, has shown. Um, now for a another ugly game. Minnesota there was a Mo Ali Cox, sorry. I said there was a Mo Ali Cox sighting in that game as yes. well. Yes, there was a Mo Ali Cox sighting. Uh, Two. Yeah. Yes. Um, Jack Doyle was injured throughout the week for the Colts. He was on the injury report. He did play, uh, but I, I do suspect that he was on a pitch count. That tight end room, I, I think, is probably far from far from decided, much to my dismay. <laughs> So uh, there's a lot to take in from this this Browns-Vikings game. Um, so we have our questions with Kirk answered. He is the same Kirk Cousins. He still sucks if you put pressure in his face. Um, we'll, I'm sure with, with your uh, one of the games that you're covering, I'm sure we're going to field have a very similar thing to say. Um, Baker also, that I mean... Baker does Baker things sometimes, and it's just kind of what happens. But this was like a low for him, like a low, low. Like probably this certainly could be a recency bias. There could be a game that I'm missing, but it feels like it's the worst game of the Stefanski era for for Baker. Um, it was just real bad. He and like it's genuinely I feel like worse than the stats uh, show. He missed a lot of passes like hard, uh, and part of it is the guys you know that he was probably practicing with for most of the off season are, are mostly out really Donovan people's Jones is the only, the only guy who got to practice with much this off, off season. Um, and so uh, that's part of it, but he, he was just missing passes and that's certainly concerning. Um, I, kickers don't get a lot of love on fantasy football shows, but what I will say is that Stefanski hates them. Um, and <laughs> I would feel very concerned about having a Browns kicker at the moment. Um, and speaking of things that you probably don't want on the Browns, the tight end position is still such a cluster that I, I don't, you know, I, I can't convince myself to want to be involved in that. Like as much as there, there's so much talent in that tight end room. So it's just kind of, it's hard to not want one of those pieces, but outside of dynasty, you just can't do it. You can't, they're, they're all cannibalizing each other. It's just not worth it. Um, but yeah, on the Vikings side of things, I think Dalvin Cooks, like I said, also in the opener of the show, uh, I think Dalvin Cooks is getting worked back. I think he'll be fine, you know, in a game or two. Um, Osborne played solid. Conklin played solid. Uh, this certainly isn't on them. Um, I, again, I think the Vikings are still going to be a pretty good offense when they're not there's not pressure in Kirk's face, but I think that's just at the end of the day, what um, what's going to hold them back is that he, that offensive line is still pretty mediocre and that's probably a compliment. And 
Kirk's not good with pressure in his face. Yeah, I think we'd like to this game, including myself, to be a pretty high-scoring game. We definitely did not get that. Yeah, yeah, I very much so considered the over in that game, just given that every uh, every Vikings game had gone down to the wire, and uh, you know they had been all high-scoring games. So I was definitely not expecting a fourteen to seven game out of that twenty-one total points. Um, but you know, both quarter quarterbacks really struggled. Um, yeah, there were a lot of points left on the field in that game for sure. Uh, on to Giants Saints. The Saints are a different team every week. You really never know what you're going to get to the team. I'll get from the Saints outside of the fact that you know the Saints aren't going to pass with any real amount of volume. Uh, Jameis had his season high in passing attempts um, this season um and i believe that was at what 23 um not exactly what you want um yeah just not enough volume i think for some of these saints pass catchers you know a lot of them were breakout candidates between troutman and juan johnson marquez calloway deontay harris and i none of them are going to consistent enough volume I, i don't think uh you know, maybe they they turn it on as far as a passing team, um, as far as passing goes when Michael Thomas gets back. But even then, I don't really know. Um, Tony Jones went down, which, of course, he was mostly just a handcuff. However, uh, he did kind of fill in here and there, and he actually was relatively involved at the beginning of this game. So I think Kamara's carries will get slightly inflated because of that. I don't think it'll be anything that crazy. You know, we, we might be talking a point or two a game, but I guess that that's worth at least noting. Um, due to all the injuries, we finally saw some of Darius Tony in the Giants offense, and it was firmly mixed, I would say. Uh, he's good with the ball in his hands, but getting it there is, you know, not exactly always the prettiest thing in the world. Um, but overall, I, I would say it was a solid I, obviously not a debut, uh, really, but solid homecoming opening, I guess, for, for his career. Um, Evan Ingram, uh, I, I think, is someone that I see getting a lot more volume, at least while these injuries um, while these injuries are happening. He didn't really get much volume until the second half and really didn't have any crazy amount of volume ever. Um, but got a little bit more involved in the second half. I think they're working him back still. As well, um, you know, he was really only in there in passing situations a week uh, last week. And then this week he was a little bit more involved in the two tight end sets and uh, running situations. Uh, Rudolph split that with him, um, but, you know, he was getting some of those reps back. And I think that'll probably just continue with time uh, that he'll get those reps back. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. 
If we have to see Daniel Jones for 400 yards in this game as well. Yeah, that is true. Uh, Daniel Jones has genuinely been playing all right uh, this season so far. Um, I guess the other note here is that as much as Jameis hasn't really been lighting the world on fire, uh, Taysom did throw a pick on three passing attempts. Um, He was a very good runner. He had a a highlight that one had that real run that I'm sure all of you saw uh, for watching the show. Um, and then also had two catches, um, actually had, I think a point or two more in PPR at least than Jameis did. Uh, but I, I don't think he'll be taking the quarterback role anytime soon. I got to say that I was a big fan of his, but it's really concerning, especially PPR league. See, Alvin Kamara not involved in the passing game either. Yeah, this is true. But again, I, I it's the passing volume, I think, um, you know, it's, when you're that that check down option, it is definitely hard to to do much when there's just 23 passing attempts, or I guess 26. Um, but I don't know how much we value the Taysom Hill passing attempts for Camaro's sake. Uh, but he does need to get more involved. Um, I, I think Michael Thomas getting back will open things up a lot more. Uh, I think Peyton doesn't want to probably doesn't want to rely on the pass too much with this current receiver group, which I certainly get. Um, but you would like to see a little bit more at least. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to jump in here now. I'm the Tennessee and the Jets game. I think this game was pretty interesting. On The big notes I took away from them, especially on the Jets side, was um, they actually started to move Zach Wilson around, kind of rolled the pocket, gave him some easy reads, and thus he had one of his best games as a pro, threw from his 290 yards. Um, you saw James Crowder come off his, you know, the injury reserve, the bang, so to speak. You realize that that slot position is going to be heavily targeted, more likely this offense. We saw Braxton Barrios get a lot of those targets. We see James Crowder right off the bat become fantasy relevant, especially in PPR leagues, because he was definitely getting featured, you know, fed targets. Uh, Corey Davis had a nice bounce back game, including a nice 50-yard pass that he caught for a touchdown. Uh, I think he clearly still the Jets' number one receiver out there, and a guy that people were getting kind of concerned about. I remember they were playing some tougher defenses the last couple of weeks and had some tough matchups. So this is kind of what you're going to get for Davis. When a little easier matchup, start him against the tougher guys or good corners, you might want to sit him. Um, still not very little clarification in that backfield. Michael Carter wasn't more involved, got the most of the rushing plays. You saw a little bit of uh, Tevin Coleman get mixed in there somewhat. Ty Johnson continues to be heavily involved on the third downs and obvious passing situations. You kind of wish they just phased one of those guys out. They had kind of phased Coleman out last week, but that was because he wasn't active. Um, he is back. He wasn't, you know, taking too many carries, but still it's taking away from other opportunities for guys um, that you wish would go, you know, come, well, they choose with Michael Carter or Ty Johnson or even just have a 50-50 split because otherwise it makes both of them kind of really hard to play in fantasy. I think on the Tennessee side, um, it's obvious that Ryan Tannehill is probably not a player, a quarterback you necessarily want to start without Julio Jones or A.J. Brown out there. He did wind up from a 290 yards passing. I only had one touchdown pass, though. This team was kicking field goals left and right all day. Derrick Henry continues to be a beast. Um, I think that was the only thing you really saw. He wasn't as involved in the passing game this week, so you had kind of a more of a typical Derrick Henry week than you would have, you know, last couple weeks where you just see this guy being heavily involved with the PPR machine out there. Uh, Josh Reynolds looked like the best receiver. A lot of people were talking about, you know, um, Westbrook, I don't know how to say his other name, Afini or whatever. Um, they thought he was going to kind of be the guy who was going to, you know, get the hair apparent to all the targets. That kind of seemed to be kind of forgotten. He was targeted a lot, but he wasn't very effective with it and only wound up with 20-something yards. 
So I think right now you're just kind of looking for Tennessee. You really don't want to touch any of the receivers more than likely. Of course, you want to start Derrick Henry. But I think if you have a Ryan, Hill, Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback, you might want to have a backup option just in case because without those weapons, he doesn't look to be nearly as effective. Um, I got to ask, because it, it's something that's been you know brought to my attention, uh, and it at least has to be something that you, you think about. Are, are you worried about Derrick Henry throughout the, the long season with the amount of carries and overall touches he's been getting? I believe he's currently on pace for over 500 carries and probably upper 500s in touches. Uh, I think he's had over 30 carries. I know he's had over 30 carries at least twice, but I think it's been yeah, three, three-ish times. Uh, so are you concerned about that at all if you roster him or no? I wouldn't be concerned about it this year. I think yeah. Derrick Henry is going to be a guy that could take a lot of things and you can kind of ride his back. I don't think he's a guy necessarily going to get worn out as the season progresses because he does most of the wearing out himself. He's such a big boy. Having said that, I do think one of the things we've seen historically is that following year, if guys are having such a heavy volume and had such a heavy uh, workload, it does affect them. And therefore, maybe if you're in a dynasty league and you have Derrick Henry, maybe now's the time to kind of sell on that because he's getting a little bit older. He'll be in the second year of that contract. And you will have a lot of mileage if his, if his pace continues. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next game to kind of dive into is that Chiefs and Eagles game. Uh, one of the Patrick Mahomes, you know, five touchdown passes. He wasn't throwing a ball over the field necessarily, but it was very effective in the red zone in particular. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire continues to be productive. Second week in row, had over 100 yards. So that's nice to see. Did not have any fumbles. Did have a second touchdown catch of the year which he also had last week as well. So you're hoping that's a trend. That's still not heavily involved. Nothing went in the passing game. You did see Darrell Williams starting to steal some more touches out there, um, also more playing time. He got about 35 40% of the snaps out there. So you you do have to kind of keep that in mind. But I think it's more of a game script thing than anything. Um, the Chiefs pretty much controlled this game most of the game. The Eagles really weren't in it after the second second half, second quarter, I should say. Um, on the Eagles side, on Tyree Kill was just went bananas. So – as a result, you kind of got the Travis Kelsey this week that Tyree Kill has been for other people the last couple of weeks. It's like they have to take turns in a sense. If one guy goes crazy, the other one can't necessarily do the same thing. My, interesting to see his, go ahead. My league with the uh, the Tyreek Mahomes stack finally had <laughs> another big week. Exactly. After, there you go. Had a, huge, had a huge week one and then was very slow <laughs> the yep. last couple. Exactly. Uh, it so seems to kind of be how it's rise. It was a massive, massive bounce back. Um, and it's also going to be interesting to see his offense could Josh Gordon this week. There's a lot of talk will be active in week five, so it should be kind of interesting because none of these second-tier receivers really have stepped up yet, even against the Eagles' secondary. On the Eagles' side of the ball, Jalen Hurts was pretty productive. Um, you continue to want to be a hot guy who went out there for fantasy purposes. He gives you a nice floor with his legs. He does throw for a lot, a lot of volume, had these 380 yards passing, so he had a nice, very nice fantasy day. Um, the running backs on the opposite side aren't nearly as involved as you kind of hope they would be. Well, I should say just Miles Sanders is as involved as you'd like him to be. Um, Miles Sanders continues to get limited carries, continues to be kind of forgotten about in the obvious passing situations. And right now him and Kenneth Gaywell are splitting about 50-50 um, snaps right out right now, which people weren't expecting. They thought Gaywell might be involved, but I think anybody thought it was going to be an even split. Miles Sanders owners had to really start panicking because it's been like this basically for the first four games, and it's getting progressively more and more Gainwell involved. So I think that's got to be concerning, particularly if the game script shows that if you're trailing, they're going to play him over Miles Sanders. Uh, Devontae Smith had a nice bounce-back game. 
I think that was very exciting for people. Second decent game, or second good game, I should say, fantasy-wise, he's produced for us this year. You kind of saw him being moved around again. The whole thing with the Eagles was real interesting because we talked about a lot of changes, like Will Laser moving off, taking over Chicago. We bitched in a moment about the Eagles not using motion and kind of not forgetting you know, what they did week one, and it seemed they already kind of remembered that. So as a result, you see some of these guys be more productive, including Devontae Smith. So I think that was nice to see and definitely pleasure. You continue to see um, Goddard is the best tight end on this team, but Zach Ertz continues to be very involved for some reason. So it's going to continue to limit what Goddard can do. While he is productive, he can't necessarily be trusted, trusted to start week in, week out because of the Zach Ertz factor. Other than that, I mean, you saw Jalen Rager have an okay game, really doing anything. Only had one catch for nine yards, so you're going to kind of expect that there's going to kind of be up and down with him. He's not a guy that you necessarily want to start any week in particular. Um, so I think that's a guy you can keep off your fantasy radars for now. And that's about it for the Eagles side of the ball. Yeah, I guess just a, a note, uh, kind of what you were saying with the running back group. Uh, I don't think I could confidently play Miles Sanders unless the Eagles are heavy favorites. And they're not a team that's going to do that very often, right? So they got the Lions um, on Halloween, so in a couple weeks. But then really – there's not a game where I would feel comfortable playing them, uh, how things are currently going all the way up until they play the giants at the end of November and then the jets in December and then the giants again on Christmas, uh, which on one hand, uh, you know, having Washington football team, uh, in a run of Washington football team, then giants, then Washington football team again. Um, that's a great run for your fantasy playoffs. If you know, you haven't been knocked out because you have miles Sanders. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, that's going to be a, a tough situation for people to get out of because they're really, unless he happened to pop off against the Lions, there's really no sell high opportunity to get your value out of him until the end of the season when it's probably too late. Yeah, I totally agree. I think Miles Sanders right now, you have to kind of eat it if you drafted him. Particularly if he's your RB2, you're going to try to find somewhere to upgrade, I would imagine, because mm-hmm. he's going back at best a flex play to throw out there with any kind of confidence at all. Otherwise, as he's your RB2, I'd try to suggest maybe packaging something else up with him and maybe try to get at you know a bigger player or somebody you think can have more upside, because right now he's not showing it. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the next game, uh, we had Arizona take on the Rams. Um, I think this was kind of surprising in a lot of factors for the Rams, particularly um, their offense sputtered, particularly in the red zone. And we did kind of the bright sides of the things we kind of took that was Daryl Henderson looks like a monster out there. He did basically lead the team in touches, played the majority of the game. That part of that was if just when Michelle fumbled, he was basically not seen again. Um, but I think Henderson looked healthy and looked like he was ready to kind of be the, the top back in that backfield. So people are have him right now are pretty happy. Um, Cooper Cup kind of returned to earth. Um, still didn't have a bad game, particularly in PPR purposes, but it wasn't kind of the blow-up game you would expected. Uh, Van Jefferson continues to be pretty involved in this offense, which I think a lot of people are kind of surprised by. Or also disappointed because Robert Woods was kind of needs to be an afterthought. He did score a garbage-time touchdown, but only having four catches for 44 yards. I think people expected Robert Woods to do much more than that. I see a lot of people starting to panic on him. I wouldn't necessarily panic on Robert Woods, but I do think that you know we're kind of – it's four games into the season – and he's kind of surprising that he's not being involved at all. And he only has, I believe, four more targets than Van Jefferson does right now. And they run really similar routes out right there. So I think that's one thing you have to kind of be really thinking about is Robert Woods' best days kind of, you know, behind him, or are they kind of still just figuring out what they have there with him? 
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Um, Tyler Higby had an okay game. Continue to tight end that you, you have out there for PPR purposes. If you're in our standard league, I would hope that you have better options because he's not somebody you can bank on, particularly yardage-wise. Uh, he gets a decent amount of targets, but he doesn't really have any yards for this, in this offense right now. On the flip side, Arizona continues to roll. Uh, the big stepping up right now was the running game. Chase Evans went over 120 yards. Uh, Connor scored two touchdowns. Uh, the split seems to kind of be what we expected it to be when they're up. They're in the red zone. They're going to play Connor. Edmonds is going to get anything in between. I still think Edmonds is the guy to own. I think by far the most explosive player has a better floor. Um, he looks better out there too, but Connor's getting those opportunities to score those touchdowns. So that's still kind of have a Drake situation in there right now. Um, at the receiver position, AJ Green continues to have to be somebody that people talk about. We wrote this guy off since the beginning of the season, but this is the second game in a row. We had over 60 yards, uh, scored a touchdown again. Had a, actually caught a 41-yard touchdown, which I think maybe his longest touchdown he's had in two or three years now. Um, doesn't look that great to the eye test, but he continues to be one of the guys they use a lot in this offense. DeAndre Hopkins looked healthy at least enough to be out there, uh, much better than the week before. He drew seven targets. He haven't had the big DeAndre Hopkins game yet, but if I were an owner, I'd try to be patient with that. And if you're in a league where people are getting impatient with DeAndre Hopkins, try to buy. I'm in one of those leagues right now, and to me, I'm trying to buy that guy with anything I can get because I think we know his brighter days are ahead of him, and it's going to be a matter of time before he gets fed again. Uh, Rondell Moore and Christian Kirk kind of returned to earth again. We saw Rondell Moore return to earth last week, not really be that involved. Christian Kirk was the big bust this week. Had one target, had six yards. Uh, people, A lot of people probably thought that was going to be different. I warned people on, I don't know, it was this show or Dan's show, I should say, the MD's fantasy show, um, Christian Kirk's going to have a matchup against Jalen Ramsey a lot this week. People thought Jalen Ramsey would be following DeAndre Hopkins around. Right now, the Rams aren't shadowing with Ramsey, and they haven't done this whole season. He lines up a lot in their star position, which is pretty much their primary of their slot. So any guys that kind of match up in the slot, you want to keep that in mind. Um, Jalen Ramsey is going to be in the slot more often than not. The next game to kind of jump into was that uh, Seattle-San Francisco game. Uh, starting on San Francisco's side, Jimmy G went out early, got banged up. We saw Trey Lance come in. Trey Lance had a pretty productive fantasy game, um, so you want to take that into consideration. He did run for some yards. He definitely had two touchdown passes, but he missed a lot of easy throws and did not look comfortable out there. Um, there's a chance that he might be the starter for the next couple of games. We're not really sure with Jimmy G how long he's going to be injured. Shanahan came out today and said that he could possibly play week five, but no more as the season week progresses. Um, but it looks like you're more likely Trey Lance is probably going to start sooner than later. It doesn't look like he's quite ready for that. I do think he is somebody you can roster fantasy-wise because he's going to run, and you saw that already off the bat. Trey Sermon bounced back a lot of a nice, decent game. Had 89 yards, was actually getting primary most of the touches. Uh, of course, Elijah Mitchell's coming back next week more than likely, so that probably be short-lived. But if you had Trey Sermon and you were hoping, holding on to him for the hope that one game is going to get you something, it might have been the game. He actually looked decent out there. 
Uh, Debo Samuel continues to be the number one receiver, and Brandy Ayuk continues to be somebody they forgot about in offense. The whole Brandon Ayuk's back and has a breakout, and I don't think it's materializing. I think it's really going to be not materialized if Trey Lance is the quarterback because right now they're going to be very limited when they can do passing the ball. Uh, George Kittle did get it through with a quad injury. Did have 11 targets, which was exciting, but only caught four of them. Um, this guy is basically a wasted right now in the 49er offense. I'm kicking myself in the head for, you know, taking him over Cooper Cup this week, this year in my own, one of my own drafts. Um, I had Cooper Cup high, rated higher, but I like George Kittle's skill set, so I thought, hey, you know, go for the Kittle. It's right now you're disappointed if you drafted Kittle, particularly if you drafted him really high. Um, and I think this guy has better days ahead of him, but you're really concerned about what they're going to do passing volume-wise. They don't really seem to want to target anybody consistently other than Debo, and this isn't something they really want to utilize uh, Kittle in a way that you know some of these other receiving tight ends can, are utilized, which is Travis, Travis Kelsey. On the Seattle side, um, kind of a weird game offensively for them. Russell Wilson had a decent game, had two touchdown passes, only threw for 140 something yards, um, which is very below average against this 49er defense, which is basically on fumes in their secondary. So people were kind of surprised with that. DK Metcalf just scored a touchdown. Tyler Lockett didn't look that healthy out there to me. Uh, he had four catches, uh, six targets, 24 yards. I thought he just didn't look as explosive as, as he has this season. So I'm kind of cur- I'm kind of curious to see is this injury that he suffered the week going to this week something's gonna be lingering and kind of being ignored, or is it just he had an off game? Freddie Sween had his Freddie Sween game where he scored a touchdown just to jump into fantasy relevance. But once again, as Adam warned you guys last year, last week. Freddie Swain's a nobody. Don't bother, don't bother adding him. He just is going to have every five or six games he's going to actually do something. Um, and then talking about that, uh, Alice Collins sighting happened. Alice Collins has been running really hard for this team, kind of gave them a spark, scored a touchdown. Chris Carson only had 13 carries. Chris Carson owners have to be really concerned right now, not because Alex Collins is going to steal his job or anything like that, but because Chris Carson hasn't had more than 13 carries this entire season yet in the game, which is extremely surprising. And he only had one target again this game. So he's an afterthought in his passing game as well. One of the things I liked about Chris Carson personally was I thought he was a one of those sneaky RB1s that he can catch the ball and run the ball because he was going to be so involved in this offense as long as he was healthy. I don't know what they're doing, but it doesn't seem to be the case right now. And Seattle continues to be a, a tale of two halves. Um, they have one good half of football, and they have one terrible half of football. So I think that's something to kind of keep in mind that's limiting their upside. Maybe they put it together. You could jump on some of these guys, but right now, you're kind of riding off fumes with Chris Carson and this offense in general because Russell Wilson has not has had a great season so far. No, he hasn't. And really, the Seahawks team as a whole, this offense outside of you know Lockett when he was healthy, has struggled. Um, on the Niners side, though, uh, would you consider this? Is, I guess a hypothetical. Say Lance gets the start, and I, I feel like you and I both know how this goes. Rookie gets a start or two, and it's pretty much game over for the incumbent. Uh, it, if we hear that that Lance has the, this start, and you're a, a Debo uh, manager, do you consider that sell high? I mean, he had a good game with Lance because of that blown coverage. Is, doesn't even like really <laughs> really describe it. There was nobody within like 15 yards of him. And he was really only like 20 yards down the field. Like that was a blown, blown coverage. Oh uh, yeah. Seahawks it, secondary absolutely. is bad, but 
That was bad, bad. <laughs> yeah. Jamal Adams just left him by himself, basically, and just gave him up for somebody yeah, else to they, pick he, up. Yeah, I think he was trying to pass him off to somebody, but that person wasn't there. And then he was like, oh, well, I passed him off. <laughs> and I don't know. That was – someone on that defense had a massive miscommunication. Yeah, we saw a touchdown like that against Detroit, too, for Devo. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things for me is I probably wouldn't – I'm not a big Debo fan in general, but right now it's clear to me that Shanahan is trying to create his passing game around him. And I'm, I am a big proponent and believer that rookie quarterbacks tend to lock onto a number one receiver, particularly if they're schemed to be open. That's what Shanahan seems to do. So I think you're going to see Debo continue to be that guy. People I'm not touching was the other receivers in this offense, particularly Brandon Ayuk. I think they have little to no value as a result. You might see Kittle have some value. He's going to be more of an RPO. I heard a lot of rumors about the 49ers running similar to like a, a Raven-style offense. Uh, moving forward because they realize Trey Lance isn't really ready to be a true quarterback back there. So you might see a lot of pistol action, a lot of RPOs, and therefore you're probably going to have one receiver who's primarily focused or primarily targeted, and maybe the tight ends open a little bit in the middle. So I, that's the two guys I'm, I would kind of consider keeping. Uh, Debo is the guy that has been number one and continues to be number one. I don't think that's going to necessarily change change whether you know Trey Lance is the quarterback or Jimmy G is the quarterback. What I do think could change is how many yards you get with it, though. Because that yeah. is going to be interesting to see how this is this passing game going to seem to be decent or is it going to get really bad at some point? That I can't tell you. Um, I think though your Debo will probably have a good floor regardless, though. All right, moving on. Tell on the Ravens and the Ravens offense. The Ravens offense isn't what you <laughs> thought it was anymore. Uh, Lamar Jackson continues to fire the ball down the field at a incredible pace. Um, he's been the third um, most quarterback who's attempted with 20 yard passes, 20 yards or over passes right now in the NFL. He looks good out there. They're throwing the ball at different, all different receivers. Marquise Brown had a nice bounce back game, had 90 something yards and a touchdown. Um, he continues with their, their clear receiver one. Sammy Watkins continues to get seven targets. I think it's about the third or fourth game in a row. Sammy Watkins has got seven targets. So that seems to be the norm for him right now. Andrews had a decent game. Wasn't as good as last week, but you're happy that he continues to be involved in the offense. Um, the big news out of this game, of course, was Latavius Murray taking over for Taysom Hill, or Taysom Williams, I should say. And Williams is now no longer wasn't even active for this game. Um, they brought up Le'Veon Bell, who did little to nothing. But the big thing about that was because he was active and Devontae Freeman was active, Taysom Williams was not active. And I think this is somebody you might have to give up, maybe drop on your team if you need to. But it was really disappointing because I think it was a good matchup for him to kind of get out there. And obviously the coaching staff doesn't want him – basically hindering the offense, I guess, because he misses pass protections or missing certain things here or there. And he seemed more comfortable, despite more explosive play with Latavius Murray back there. Yeah, it seems really interesting just because, I mean, you see that they care about the run game. Uh, they literally caused a, a controversy. Uh, yeah, shout out for that. Good job, Jim Harbaugh. John yeah. Harbaugh, I should say. Yeah, good job. <laughs> yeah, they forgetting that 100-yard thing, which I don't really care one way or the other on that, but it's just that if you care that much about the run game and keeping that going, then why don't you care about actually having the running backs that can run the ball, like, at least active? Uh, I, I would fully understand, given the, the pass-blocking thing, if Tyson Williams wasn't the RB1 here or wasn't you know heavily involved, but – None of these guys are really doing doing anything in the actual run game. Uh, Lamar is by far like not even close. I, mean, I guess this is the case with Tyson as well, but 
Like, it's just not close that he's the only one that is capable of running the ball and being explosive with it. Uh, Latavius Murray is, I mean, I know obviously in this game, it's right here that he had 3.3 yards per carry, but I think he's been like that all season. Uh, unless there was a game that I'm missing where he had over 3.5 at most. Uh, yeah, the passing game looks good, and I, I'm interested in that part of this offense, but the running game has looked atrocious. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, and I think that it just seems to be for me right now, they just want to have the positive yardage in the running game. They're not so worried about how explosive it is as long as they continue to get positive yardage. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Williams honestly comes back sooner into this offense than people expect. I wonder if this wasn't more of a game plan thing and trying to see what they have as well on their hands because Davion Bell, because he was active this game, if he comes up one more game, he has to be assigned for the rest of the season. So I'm curious to see if they're kind of just gauging what they have and seeing what they're doing forward. And against a defense like Denver, with the big fan of Gio who likes to disguise his coverages and come from different blitzes, maybe they were just trying to protect the rookie young, young running back and offer them some of the veterans opportunity to kind of show what they had. On the Denver side, the sad news was Teddy Bridgewater got injured before he got hurt. He wasn't doing that great, but I think we saw Drew Locke is not the answer for the quarterback. Had the first pass was a turnover. Um, the one thing you'd like about Drew Locke at the quarterback, as long as he's a quarterback for at least this week, if not longer, seeing depending on what Teddy Bridgewater's concussion issue will be, um, he targets Cortland Sutton like a champion. He wasn't very effective with it, but he loved <laughs> to throw the ball to him. Uh, he also loved the ball to throw to Noah Fant. So there's two guys to kind of keep in mind that if Drew Locke is the quarterback for this team for any prolonged period of time, you want to kind of ride those two guys because they're going to get targeted a lot. Uh, the running backs had decent games when it came to how uh, effective they were. They just weren't really heavily involved in this game, which was kind of surprising because they were being very effective. So they kind of let them, you know, run the ball a little bit. See how that 50-50 split back there. But Drew Locke was given an opportunity to throw 21 times, and they threw about 40 passes, 38 passes in total in this game. So I was a little surprised to see Denver kind of be so pass-happy versus the Ravens. And the Ravens had had a good run defense, but they weren't having a good run defense that day. And then running backs were very effective, but since they weren't really utilized. So I just think to keep, kind of keep that in mind, that even though they didn't have the great stats you're looking for, these backs didn't play bad. Yeah, that uh, this is, I guess, an interesting note I had as far as the run game goes. Uh, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams both are the only running backs with more than like five carries to get over four yards per carries against, or yeah, over four yards per carry against the, the Ravens run run defense. Uh, the Ravens run defense has been very, very good so far this season. Um, yeah. Uh, so th they did play very efficient. It just neat because the other is there. Neither one really is getting the, you know, the touches they need to be super, super fantasy relevant. And like you said, um, you know, they, despite them having success, uh, they decided to give it to the quarterbacks who weren't having success. I will say, though, if Drew Locke was alone in the field, his deep passes would look beautiful. Um, now, once you add defenders and receivers, <laughs> and the pesky, like, accuracy so things, and, like, it becomes yeah. a problem, but <laughs> it looks good. <laughs> <laughs> true. Very true. All right. Uh, so moving on, the next game I had was Pittsburgh and Green Bay. Um, now on the Green Bay side, this was kind of the guys forgotten about this offense so far this season. A.G. Dillon bounced, had 81 yards, or yeah, 81 yards rushing, was heavily involved. Um, you saw the return of Randall Cobb to the offense, having two touchdowns and over 69 yards. 
So I think that was probably the biggest thing that jumped out fantasy-wise to you. A.D. Dillon is still a good handcuff. He's not someone to start in a flex or anything like that, but he is going to be a guy that we're going to use, especially if they get up. And Randall Cobb seems to be maybe that number two receiver we've been waiting for all season long and emerge from Green Bay. Um, the rest of the receivers pretty much did nothing. So I, I mean, Devontae Adams an okay game. You were a little disappointed what you got out of him. But overall, this was an easy win for Green Bay. They didn't do too much on offense. Um, on the Pittsburgh side, uh, continues to be a struggle. Ben doesn't look good out there, back there. He doesn't look healthy back there. You did see Deontay Johnson return from that scary injury he suffered versus the Colts a couple of weeks ago. He looked could have pretty spry, heavily involved, got 13 targets. So Deontay Johnson is definitely a guy you love having right now in your lineups. Najee Harris didn't have 14 targets this time, or 19 targets, I should say, and 14 catches. But he's continued to get targeted heavily at six catches for over seven targets. So he's a guy who's going to be, have a good floor, good ceiling for you. Uh, had a decent r- rushing game, averaged about 4.1 yards per carry in this game, 15 carries, 62 yards and a touch. So he wasn't extraordinary, but you're, you'll take that all day, every day with this production. Uh, the guys who kind of struggled, Juju Schuster, uh, he kind of gutted it through whatever injury he was kind of dealing with, was targeted heavily, had eight targets, but didn't really do anything with them. James Washington had a decent game, but I think as long as Claypool's going to be kind of more than likely coming back to this offense sooner than later, James Washington is not really worth adding to your roster. If Claypool comes back anytime, isn't going to be out for a prolonged period of time, I should say, then you should probably look at James Washington because he seems to be a favorite of big bets. Other than that, this offense isn't something that you're too excited about, and you're really hoping that they get it together sooner or later. Is Ben, Ben, oh, Ben, you look so bad back there. <laughs> Najee Harris, because of the, the receiving game, though, is continuing to be at least somewhat fantasy viable. Uh, oh, absolutely. He hasn't been a super efficient runner, uh, which I don't think that's of any fault to him. That offensive line is putrid. But, uh, yeah, the, the receiving game for him has definitely been kept in, keeping him fantasy val- uh, viable. Not only fantasy relevant, he might be one of the more consistent running backs you've had out there yeah. week in, week out. While a lot of these star players have been good, they've had flashes, kind of like you talking about Tyree Kill having a good week one and then they come back week four. That's kind of been the thing for the running backs right now, too. Um, so Najee Harris is one of those few guys who's been just getting you points week in, week out. And to me, those are the kind of guys that you can ride because you want consistency in your lineup of fantasy. Yeah, that was something I, I uh, didn't mention with the, the Browns game. Is just interesting is that Chubb has been very, very consistent as a runner. I think he's, you know, had 15 or more carries and 80 plus yards in the last couple of games. It's just been no touchdowns, no receptions. You have no points. <laughs> Yeah, he had it's always 20 fun. carries over 100 yards, and he had, I think, even in PPR, I think he had like 11 points. Yeah, definitely limits your upside. Moving on, we had the, the big, gigantic game of the, the, the week, uh, New England and Tampa Bay. He thought that might be some fireworks in this game. That didn't really happen. Uh, Tom Brady looked not Tom Brady-ish out there, missed a lot of easy throws. Um, maybe it was his nerves, maybe he was rain, I'm not really sure. But the offense in general didn't really produce, particularly in the red zone. Receivers had okay games. Mike Evans was heavily targeted. Antonio Brown was heavily targeted. Uh, just a, a note for Antonio Brown, he could have had a much bigger game, but there was a hands to the face on one of his bombs that he caught. Um, the big news for me, I think, offensively for Tampa Bay was Leonard Fournette just looked like a man among boys out there. Derrick Henry in a lot of ways. Uh, had 28 carries, 91 yards. And you also saw him catch three catches for 47 yards. You, you know, I wasn't big on his backfield in general, but Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette looks like a guy that 
could actually help you a lot in fantasy football. Ronald Jones is still some guy that I kind of worry about having in my lineup or even on my team. I did have a touchdown, so you're happy about that. But you're not really sure as long how his involvement is going to be week in, week out, particularly when Gio Bernard gets healthy again. And the other thing I'll offensively take out of this was uh, Cameron Brate, while he didn't have a good game, he's obviously clearly the tight end who's going to replace Gronk moving forward as long as Gronk's out. So Cameron Brake could be somebody that you kind of look at the stream at a tight end position or maybe even have on your bench as an option because he is going to be involved in this offense. And I think that we kind of saw that he's definitely the guy who's going to kind of fill that Gronk role for them moving forward as long as Gronk is out, like I said. On the Patriots side, Matt Jones. Matt Jones had a nice bounce back game. Uh, wasn't fantastic fantasy-wise. I have 278 yards, two touchdowns. You were happy with that. What you're most happy with him is getting receivers involved as much as he did. Jacoby Myers continues to be a target hog out there in a PPR machine. I had eight catches for 70 yards. Kendrick Bourne had another decent game this week. Uh, Aguilar had a decent game, could have had bigger yardage, but he got a penalty that was called when he on a big play. Uh, Brandon Bolden seems to have taken over that third down role for James White, which I don't know much that's going to be worth. Um, maybe Brandon Bolden does this again. You start looking for PPR leagues, but still very questionable skills at that. Um, the thing I would think you could kind of take a little bit of excitement out of is Damien Harris did have 17 routes uh, routes run in this game. So you actually saw him be involved in the passing game a little bit, and he actually get to run some routes. So hopefully he has something for signs to come moving forward because this rushing attack was putrid versus Tampa Bay. But that's not really that surprising. Everybody's rushing attack in the future versus Tampa Bay for the most part. Uh, Janu Smith had a touchdown. Hunter Henry had a touchdown. Both these guys still continue to be very underutilized as offense and are guys I would consider uh, to be busts in some senses. I was big on both of them, and I've been really disappointed that Josh McDaniels, the way he's using both of them, they're not really used down the field at all. Um, Janu was losing the, moved around a bit more in this game, which is kind of exciting. But even that, he still was very limited in his route tree. So I'm kind of looking at these tight ends and wondering, will they ever get the production I kind of expected from them? Yeah, um, I guess the other maybe big picture note here is that there were no, another two injuries to the in the Tampa Bay secondary. Uh, and that means you are forcing receivers that play Tampa Bay, I think. Yes, absolutely. Uh, just the combination of how good their run defense is uh, how potent their passing attack is, so a lot of teams are going to be playing catch-up, and how atrocious their secondary is, that's, like, the best trio one could possibly have in regards to your those receivers and those quarterbacks and those tight ends, uh, especially quarterbacks and receivers having massive days against Tampa Bay. Yeah, absolutely. Then you realize that this week they play uh, Miami, so then you kind of wonder <laughs> how much that really matters. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe not this next week. But <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> the final of the Monday night game, the Chargers and the, and the Raiders. Um, the Chargers jumped out big in this game, most behind Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler was just a beast out there, running the ball, catching the ball. Uh, as a result, you didn't really see Keenan Allen or Mike Williams do a whole lot in this game that he really didn't need to. Keenan Allen definitely had a nice PPR game, but was you know would have been really disappointing in standard leagues. Um, nobody else is really involved in the passing game other than Jared Cook. Jared Cook has his one of every couple of games where he shows up. I don't think you could ever bank on to put Jared Cook in your lineup. That's why I never like to have him because I feel like every time he's supposed to do good, he doesn't. And every time he's not supposed to do good, he does. So I don't think, I feel like he's a guy you just can't figure out necessarily, but he did have a nice game. On the Raiders' side, they kind of returned back to reality. Uh, you just see the return of Josh Jacobs. He was probably the primary back. 
Kenyon Drake seems to be just a forgotten about guy. I don't know why they even have him on the roster right now. Uh, Peyton Barber wasn't really involved. That part of that was because he did get banged up early. Um, and the passing attack was definitely not what we expected. Derek Carr struggled, held on 200 yards passing. Henry Ruggs was the leading receiver. Uh, Darren Waller continues to have an up-and-down season to score a touchdown, um, but hasn't really had that big numbers yardage-wise since that week one. And Renfro continues to be third in Renfro. So PPR, you like them. Everything else, you're kind of like, eh. Um, other than that, the biggest thing I took out of this Brian Edwards, who I like a lot is talent-wise, just seems to be not involved unless it's the fourth quarter with only a minute or two left in the game. So overall, this Raiders team is kind of disappointing offensively. Uh, the Chargers did without their middle linebacker. We thought they could actually be more a little bit effective versus this team, and it didn't really seem to matter. The Chargers owned them from right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, a note here, uh, more of a, a football thing than um, maybe a fantasy thing, but uh, worth bringing up. Uh, Jalen Smith uh, was released by the Cowboys towards the beginning of the show. Um, Ooh, just, yeah, that's big. Yeah, that is. Um, yeah, so, so seeing uh, uh, he actually looked early good two weeks ago. Yeah, uh, and certainly better than he was at points last year because last year was atrocious for him, Uh, but showed a lot of promise early in his NFL career. Obviously, was great at Notre Dame. Um, Yeah, well, that'll be uh, an interesting thing to follow around and see, A, if there's some other reason besides on-the-field play because they've been putting up with him for a while uh, in regards to his on-the-field play, and B, uh, you you know, who picks him up? Because uh, assuming that it wasn't on the field play thing, then he will be back on a roster somewhere. Uh, whether he's a starter or not, who's to say? But he'll be back on yeah, a roster. Yeah, it's like a fishy situation because they'd eat a lot of money just to, to, to basically cut him. Right. All right. So we will go ahead and move on to the belly ups and belly flops, of course, in this segment. Every week we give our two uh, belly ups to guys who performed really well or above expectations or had bounce back weeks or what have you, and two belly flops to guys who underperformed. Um, I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, of course, I'm biased in this, uh, but my belly up is Tyreek Hill. Um, of course, just having that massive week, um, not only 11 receptions, which is ridiculous in PPR, not only over 100 yards, the three touchdowns is uh, a massive, um, you know, just a massive day. Uh, he is also the belly up uh, fantasy player of the week. Um, you know, same reason, just as a PPR guy, that was uh, a ridiculous performance. Uh, you know, put up a ton of points. Yes, yeah, so my belly up would be uh, Cordell Patterson. You know, talked about his involvement moving forward. We're not really sure, but this guy scored five touchdowns in two games now, had three more this week, um, continues to be their most, most effective passing running back out of the backfield and probably the most effective weapon. Um, so, of course, Cordell Patterson had a nice game and it was my white belly up this week. All right, cool. And then my other belly up for the week is Justin Fields. Uh, he had some really good throws. I'm really uh, excited about what he can do kind of moving forward. Uh, he didn't have any crazy game, uh, but it was a night and day difference between uh, last week against the Browns and this week against the Lions. Again, those are two very, 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 very different defenses. Um, but there were some really good throws. That that one uh, that I'm sure, again, all of you have seen uh, by this point, um, it's been all over the 
Twitter and Instagram and wherever um, that, that throw along the sideline um, on the, that route to Allen Robinson. Uh, it's really good. Um, you know, he's again, playing a lot better than he was with Najee as the play caller and Najee's actually playing to his strengths. So I would feel a lot more confident about him and the bears offense as a whole going forward. As long as laser is remains the play caller. Amen. Um, all right. So my other belly up is going to actually be a guy who produced well. And I was impressed with didn't have incredible fantasy numbers, but was very productive. And that's Leonard Fournette. I think Leonard Fournette really showed you what he kind of, you always hoped for to get out of him. Um, mm-hmm. And he had a nice game. He was involved in the passing game, involved in the rushing attack and ran hard, ran well. So you hope this might be, you know, signs of things to come. I'm not sure with his offense, but it was really encouraging to see Leonard Fournette have a big game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the touches he got, just, I mean, both as a receiver and as a, a runner, I, I think that was 22 total. Um, we haven't seen someone have that kind of share in the, the Tampa Bay backfield in a while. And if that's a sign of things to come, that's absolutely massive for managers who have um, under four net. All right, so on to the belly flops. My number one would be Christian Kirk, uh, like you'd mentioned. Uh, Jalen Ramsey just completely shut him down. He had one reception for five yards, one target, uh, despite being, I believe, either second or third. He was right there along um, with whoever was was second uh, in snaps. So he was on the field. He was on the field a lot more than uh, Rondell Moore, for instance, um, but it just wasn't able to do anything with it. Uh, again, a big part of that is just going up against Jalen Ramsey. But uh, in, in a game where the offense eats like that, it, it hurts to – you know, have a guy who's performed relatively well above expectations so far this season, uh, haven't struggled that much. Yeah, my first Billy flop is going to be DeAndre Swift. Uh, he talked about the coaching staff and what they were talking about going into this week, that he was going to be the lead back. They got to figure out how to get him more involved. And here comes Jamal Williams starting and getting 14 carries versus his, I think it was six or eight. Uh, he was still involved in the passing attack, but only had three catches or 30-something yards. Really disappointing overall. He thought he would be much more involved in this offense. And especially how the game flow was, usually they fall behind and give him the ball, and it just didn't seem to materialize this week for him. Yeah. Uh, and then another guy we've talked about already today, but my second belly flop is Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, he's has a ton of weapons around him, and I get the offensive line is bad, but he just he, – he doesn't look great right now at all. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. Uh, he looks – I mean, he's never been, like, the most athletic human, but he's always had that kind of, like, sneaky, like, you know, can move around a little bit, not like a mobile quarterback, but can use his size and a, a non-zero amount of movement to uh, to kind of make things happen in the pocket, and that just hasn't been the case. But he's playing like it is still the case. Uh, his style of play just hasn't changed uh, with the fact that he's a lot closer physically to what, Philip Rivers was last year than to Ben Roethlisberger at say 35. Uh, and it's just, it's not fun to watch at all. And it's bad for Deontay Johnson just because he gets his targets so close to the line of scrimmage is fine, but it's not good for really anyone else involved. Yeah. So I actually with a tie for my two, my belly flop or my second belly flop. Um, Baker Mayfield, the reason I have a tie is Baker Mayfield is my one of bigger belly flops. Now, he's not probably starting for a lot of people out there, so that's why I have him tied with somebody else. But he did kill OBJ for you this week. Um, and I think on the flip side, 
one of the guys I was definitely disappointed by who expected some volume from it was Tom Brady. Tom Brady's in my other belly flop. Uh, wasn't able to do anything in the red zone versus his old team. Looked missed quite a few throws that he usually can make. Didn't look comfortable back there and had time. So overall, I was just when Tom Brady had very underwhelming fantasy numbers this week and overall disappointment. All right. Um, so with that in mind, we can go ahead and move on to the um, the Rams versus Seahawks. Uh, my first thought here is that this is a great spot for a – if Robert Woods is going to bounce back, this is like one of the best times for him to do it. Um, the, the Seattle secondary has just not been playing good at all. Um, you know, again, we talked about that, that Debo play earlier. Um yeah, this if is the best situation Woods is gonna have, I think, for you know him to light it up. Um, on the flip side, even if Lockett was healthy, I would be scared of this game because because of Ramsey in the slot. But with him playing how he's been playing this last two weeks, kind of hurt. Uh, I I don't think I could feasibly start him this week. Uh, but otherwise, you have to lock in Metcalf. You have to lock in Cup. Uh, I don't even know if I would hate the uh, flexing like a, a Van Jefferson or um, like a, you know, and obviously Higby at tight end. I don't know if I hate him either. Um, I, I think a lot of the guys you, you go ahead and play, but, but not, I, I don't know if I could do Lockett. I don't know if I could do Lockett. Yeah. I think he's a little bit tough. I think Henderson's a great play in this game. I think you've yeah. seen Seattle is really struggling versus the run. Um, he's, like I said, we even had saw Trey Sermon have a good week this week. So that's definitely somebody I think is a must-start. Um, I would have some concerns about Russ's numbers in this game, only because I think the Seattle offensive line is really, really struggling still, and you can get pressure up the middle on him and make it a little bit hard for him to make plays down the field. It seems to be they're really struggling with this this year in general. Um, they had a couple of big plays here or there, but overall the consistency in their play has not been what you wanted to be offensively. So Russ is somebody that I think could have a decent game, but I wouldn't expect too much out of him this game. All right, so moving on to Cleveland versus the Chargers. Uh, so this is an interesting one for me because I, we, on this show, we've kind of talked about, um, you know, four weeks in, that's when you really start to learn these teams. And I think there's just a couple teams where I'm still a little unsure, and Cleveland's one of them. Uh, they played up to the wire with the Chiefs. They did. Uh, and outside of that pick at the end, Baker actually looked good in that game. The two weeks before that, Baker looked pretty – or two last weeks, uh, Baker looked pretty good. And la- this past week was just atrocious for him. Um, and it's hard for me to really want to play anyone outside of the running backs for Cleveland because Odell I know is going to get the targets, uh, but I'm a-, a little concerned about if anything will happen with them. Um, he had an all right game his first game back, and then this past week – wasn't much, but I, I don't think that's on him. You know, he was getting open. Um, uh, on the Chargers side of things, uh, this could be a relatively difficult week for Mike Williams again. Nothing that he can't overcome, but uh, it, it may not be the best matchup he'll ever have. Um, but, yeah, uh, Eckler, you're obviously playing. Uh, Allen, you're obviously playing. Herbert, you're obviously playing. Uh, so nothing, nothing crazy there. Um, I, I don't have really a gauge on how the Browns have been against tight ends because they played against um, Kelsey and then a bunch of nobodies. 
So it's kind of hard to see what they play against a more close to median tight end. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Cleveland, to me, I'm trying to figure out, is this defense for real, for real? Mm-hmm. Um, Vikings didn't play well, but the, this is the second week in look. Cleveland's defense looked really good out there. So if they're going to be able to get pass rush, they're able to kind of shut down the sec- their secondary players. And you can see this offense and the Chargers kind of struggle or underwhelm. Um, but I think overall, most of the starters you guys are going to play this week, you're going to play the usual guys this week. I wouldn't get cocky in this game. I wouldn't necessarily go out and run and start a Cleveland tight end. We talked about them kind of cannibalizing each other. And I wouldn't chase Jared Cook what he did last week um, because I think that's kind of a one-week fluke in a sense where you're not going to see Mike Williams not be utilized at all like he was basically against the Raiders. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, moving on to San Francisco, Arizona, you want to start this one off? Yeah. So I think in this game, if Trey Lance is starting, you're probably going to put him out there possibly just because there's a lot of volume opportunity. Arizona has the fastest pace offense in football right now, our second pace, fastest pace, Jacksonville. Um, so you're going to get plenty of opportunity, plenty of plays. I'd be, I'd be worried about overall passing volume, but I expect them to run the ball, run pretty consistently. I'll also go to the running game. Whoever the actual starting running back is for the for 49ers this week will probably have a nice big game. I just know if it's going to be Elijah Mitchell. It's going to be Sermon. There's Mitchell's supposed to be getting healthier. It should be back sooner than later, so it could be him. Uh, George could look banged up to me, so while I might be starting him because I have to this week. I think if you have other options, uh, you might want to choose to do something else because he didn't look the best out there. Um, and, of course, you probably start in Debo because you're going to have plenty of opportunity for him to be involved in this game. Arizona side, I think you continue to roll out what you've been rolling out. I love Edmonds in this game. I think Connor could get a vulture another touchdown. Um, this defense in general for the 49ers isn't that good, although they can get a decent pass rush at times. So it will be interesting to see will that kind of slow down the collar at all. But I think you start Hopkins with confidence. I, the interior receivers is one thing to look more key because I think Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore, I don't think you're ever going to be able to guess when they're actually going to have their big game. So that's going to be kind of a, really hard for me to kind of gauge whether or not to play them this week or not. A.J. Green might be a fourth of flyer because that second read corner um, for the 49ers on the outside really is really struggling right now. So I think overall you can kind of start most of your Arizona guys with confidence. Yeah, I agree. I, I am relatively confident, I think, in A.J. Green this week. Uh, he's been playing against much better competition and still being pretty effective may not be the right word, but productive is. Uh, he's been fantasy productive. Uh, and if he's been, like I said, doing that against a little bit better competition, he's, I think, going to continue to do that against the Niners secondary, which is not good right now at all. Um yeah, I guess the, the only other note I had here was that um, maybe not the best matchup for Connor overall. He still made vulture touchdowns, um, but uh, I don't see anything huge from him. I like Edmonds' matchup a little bit better, uh, and then we'll just you know get to learn kind of what this the offense it truly is uh, under Trey Lance when they get a full week to game plan you know with him. I think you're right. It probably will be a lot of pistol, a lot of mimicking what the Ravens do, but you know we'll kind of see. I, w- I also think Arizona's defense would be a good streaming option this week if they do start Trey Lance out there. So I do think you can get some pressure. And we saw Trent Williams go down this past week. So that 49 offensive line has been struggling to protect it as it is. If they lose Trent Williams, it can get real interesting out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> this season has not been a bad strategy just kind of overall to uh, play defenses that play against rookie quarterbacks. True story. Um, so moving on to a uh, fantastic uh, Sunday night game, Buffalo versus Kansas City. 
uh, I, I think this is a game that could look a little bit more like uh, weeks two and three for the Chiefs and not uh, in regards to, you know, them winning or losing, but in regards to who's going to be fantasy relevant. Tredavious White, I'm not going to say anyone can shut down, quote-unquote, uh, Tyreek Hill, but Tredavious White plus any help that they give him, uh, that, that can definitely slow him down uh, enough to where Kelsey is probably someone I feel feel like I'd, I'd want to play a little bit more. Obviously, you're going to have to play both of those guys just because of where you got them, but I wouldn't be that shocked if Hill struggled this week. Um, I'll be really interested to see uh, – I, I, Andy Reid said – it was possible that Josh Gordon played this week, and I'd be interested to see what he can do because they desperately need someone to step up as that uh, option behind uh, Kelsey and Hill. Um, and if he's 70% of what he was the last time we saw him, then he's got to at least be better than like a, a Byron Pringle uh, or a Demarcus Robinson. So so I'm interested to see um, you know what happens there. Um, this Chiefs defense has been atrocious, though. So with that being said, Emmanuel Sanders and Dawson Knox are both very playable this week. Yeah, and I think possibly both those backs are playable too, particularly Zach Moss, I think, because he's going to have an opportunity for some touchdowns, especially in the red zone. Singletary doesn't seem to be very involved in the passing attack. So I think Zach Moss is probably the one he'd prefer to play, but I think either one can actually be productive as well. Yeah. Um, and finally, we have Monday night, Indianapolis versus Baltimore. Um, my biggest key thing. So last year, uh, looking back at the, the Colts Ravens game, um, Dobbins and Edwards both struggled. So I, whether Tyson Williams is out there or it's Latavius and Le'Veon and whoever, I don't think the running backs are really going to do much here. What I am concerned about is that Lamar could absolutely tear this defense up. The Colts have struggled, uh, against, uh, mobile quarterbacks. Um, here's some recent numbers. Um, when they played Tennessee uh, uh, two weeks ago, Tannehill was five carries for 56 yards. Uh, back in 2020, Josh Allen in the playoff game was 11 carries for 54 yards. Uh, the two Watson games uh, was seven for 38, six for 25. Um, neither was that crazy, um, but both were efficient. Uh, and then Lamar, of course, had a 13 rushing attempts for over or for just under 60 yards and a touchdown. Lamar was also very efficient as a passer the last time these two teams matched up. He was 19 of 23. Um, this is a game that I think uh, Brown could do pretty, pretty well. Uh, guys who, who receivers from the inside have torn up the Colts defense this season, which is very surprising because Kenny Moore is typically very, very good. But uh, it's just kind of what's been happen- happening so far. Granted, those inside guys that were tearing it up were Cooper Cup and Tyler Lockett, who have done that against other teams as well. So it's you know hard to tell if that's uh, – great slot receivers tearing up a pretty solid uh, slot corner, or if it's uh, just a, you know, a trend of things that are going to happen against this Colts defense that I would play Brown and Lamar confidently. I'm not touching a Baltimore running back at the moment. Uh, as far as the Colts side of things go, uh, I, I still feel relatively confident in Jonathan Taylor, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. This is a Naheem Hines game. Um, I think it kind of set up, sets up for one of those games. Ravens are typically tough to run on. They do a pretty good job with their attacking, especially guys who run up the middle. And the offensive line that you talked about for uh, the Colts is very banged up right now. Um, so for me, if I'm going to take a flyer on anybody on the offense, it would be Naheem Hines. I think you start the rest of the guys that you've been starting. You can start Pittman. You can start Jonathan Taylor, of course. 
I wouldn't really start anybody else on the offense or even bother putting anyone else like that off my off the offense in my lineup. Um, on the Ravens' side, I think that you're kind of curious to see if Bateman comes back this week or not, and will he be involved in the passing game? Will it kind of steal some of the touches from a Sammy Watkins or Marquise Brown? But right now, I think Marquise Brown is the clear starter because they're talking about if he does, if Bateman does come back, Marquise will kind of slide inside, play a lot more of the slot, which we've seen right now. The, 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 for some reason, the Colts are really struggling with slot receivers. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to go ahead and move on to the roster shakeup, um, where we'll, we'll kind of suggest some roster moves. Um, this has been kind of the theme of the show for me. So uh, I'm doing things with the Bears offense pretty much. Go waiver Damian, Damian Williams. Uh, he was solid fantasy option for the Chiefs a couple years ago, then sat out last year because of COVID. Um, yeah, uh, what's your first one? Yeah, I think Demi Williams is a good suggestion, of course. I think my receipt, I'm going to go with a little bit different. I'm going to go with a quarterback. Um, and I think Trey Lance is a good player to kind of add to your role. I think he's going to, if he does become the starter for this team, he's going to probably stay the starter for more than likely, in my opinion. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think he's a guy that you we want to have out there, particularly with his legs. He has a nice upside moving forward. So Trey Lance might be a guy that you might expectably add as a waiver pickup this week. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think uh, you, you give a rookie quarterback a couple starts, it's very hard to go back. Um, and again, like I said, it was going to be a, a Bears themed. That I could be biased here, but I'm absolutely willing to buy Allen Robinson right now uh, with Najee. Uh, we saw him dramatically improve last year when uh, laser became the, the play caller uh, and he had his probably best game of the season uh, uh, this past week. Now that wasn't that great. It was pretty mediocre game, especially for Robinson standards. Um, but it, it was nonetheless a, a good game. He shows a good connection with, with um, fields and uh, people have been very concerned about a Mooney uh, out snapping him. Uh, that has been the case a little bit more significantly again when Nagy was a play caller. However, Mooney did outsnap him this week, but it was by exactly one snap. It was 42 to 41. So I'm not concerned about that. Uh, I know what I see. I think Allen Robinson is the better receiver. So uh, I think the production will come with time as long as, again, Laser is the play caller. Yeah, so my, my thing is I think that Now's the time if you can get any value or anything for him to move on from Miles Gaskin. I think Miles Gaskin is going to be somebody you cannot trust to be in your backfield starting. Uh, I think that even as a flex option, you're kind of worried about, will he be the guy who gets enough touches to be involved in this offense, which looks putrid out there right now. I know two is due to be back in a couple of weeks. I don't necessarily think that changes anything for them offensively because Miles Gaskin doesn't seem to be what they want to utilize or make it a feature kind of guy in any kind of way. So I think if you have Miles Gaskin, it's time to move on if you can. Yep, yep. And just a sneak peek, I can tell you a Dolphins player will probably be in my list next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, but unless you have anything to go ahead and add, I that'll be the show. Uh, what, what are you guys doing over on um, the MDFF show this week? So we're previewing the 1 o'clock games or the, um, and being able to kind of go over what's going to happen that we expect on the 1 o'clock games. Uh, Reviewing similar to how we do 
breaking down each different team, going through each different position, suggesting who to play, not to play, and kind of giving you notes of what to kind of pay attention to. Awesome, awesome. And then uh, right here, uh, Belly Up Fantasy Live will be back on uh, Sunday uh, for the pregame show. Um, and I will, I will see you then. Um, take care, uh, and good luck in your matchups this week. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.